Hi, welcome to The Meg Robinson Show, exploring the stories that make us who we are. I am extremely comfortable. I am a natural clown. You'll get used to that. (laughs) At the U.S. Sailboat Show here in Annapolis, where I live, I wanted to find out why people had come to the show, who they were, and what they were hoping to find. What I found was Mr. Free Spirit, as he calls himself. He looked like a really interesting guy, and from what I could see, he was among few African Americans at the show. Although we did talk about boating, I realized I was in the presence of someone special, a philosopher, an entertainer, and a mentor. And so I invited him for a longer conversation. And let me tell you, I was not disappointed. So please meet Mr. Free Spirit. And I'll put on my glasses so I can hear what you're saying. (laughs) Well, first, I would like to thank you for inviting me. And this is an awesome experience for me. It's not my first, but I would, I dare to say my first was in the beginning of my career, the free spirit career. And now that I feel more comfortable being a free spirit, I feel that the opportunity to be interviewed is awesome. So how in the world did you come up with the name Mr. Free Spirit? Where did that come from? Free Spirit was born out of uh, an email hacking My email got hacked. I was asked, well, how do you feel right now? I was driving probably a little above the speed limit, and I said, I feel free. I feel like a free spirit. So that's how Free Spirit was born. Subsequent to that, a friend of mine who is the publisher of the magazine BlackMenInAmerica.com He and I were on the phone and he says, well, what do you plan to do with your life? And I said, enjoy it. I said, I'm retired. I plan to enjoy it. And he says, how would you like to write for the magazine? And I said, are you kidding? Write for me? I I, I don't have any background in journalism. I said, my background is Department of Defense and it's IT and I have no background in journalism. He said, well, come on, just try it one time. So after probably 30 to 45 minutes of him discussing it with me, I agreed to write one article. But I did ask, I said, Mr. Johnson, what is it that you want me to write about? And he said something very interesting. He said, your life. And I said, okay. And I decided I had met a lot of people through my years of working who lived in other cities and in other states. And I decided that I might not ever see them again in life. We had formed quite a bond. So I was going to drive all over the United States to see all these people that I had met somewhere in my life. And I did. I started driving. I drove to the West Coast. I drove... Texas, I did Nebraska, Iowa. I went to see all the people that I wanted to see and thinking I would never see them again. And as I did this, it spawned the free spirit idea even more. 
and it gave me an opportunity to talk about living your life. As a matter of fact, there was something that was said to me last week, which I'm going to hold on to. And it was a football enthusiast. And he said, we're in the fourth quarter of our life. I never heard that before. And that became something that I mentally started holding on to. And I felt that seeing that I am in the fourth quarter, I'm going to win the game. Well, after the first month of writing, we started watching the stats. The publisher and I started watching the stats. And the stats encouraged me to a point that I said, oh, I think I'll do another month. So then I wrote the next month and the stats went up and they doubled this time. Okay, so you're writing for this online magazine, blackmaninamerica.com, and that's very cool. But you and I first met at a boat show, and what I'd love to know is how you got involved in boating. Tell me about that. In 2008, I went to the British Virgin Islands, and I lived a week on a sailboat. I had never done that before. As a matter of fact, I really did not know that black people were into boating. And I lived for a week on a sailboat. It was such an experience. I got so into boating and going to other countries and boating, I decided that I was going to pursue that even greater. Sounds like you've gotten into boating big time. It has now reached a point that not only do I go to the boat shows, I went to the boat show here in Annapolis right after I came in from the British Virgin Islands this year. I was there uh, for three weeks in August, and I knew the boat show was in October, so then I immediately came to the boat show, and I met a lot of other African Americans that do boating. I met a lady out of Detroit, which knocked my socks off, because she's an African-American lady, and she has been boating for over 40 years. She owns her own boat in Michigan, and during the cold weather, when it's cold in Michigan, she goes to the British Virgin Islands, and she stays there, and she boats. And through the years, I have found out that there are a lot of African-Americans that are boating, but they had no mechanism to get in touch with each other. You know, there was no central way of getting in touch with each other. So I decided with Mr. Free Spirit that I would develop a mechanism for them to keep in touch. I found out that in 2017, there will be a reunion of African-American boaters in the British Virgin Islands. And I won't say how I got assigned, but I got assigned to cover it from a news point of view. And I, they call me, the planning committee calls me every week to give me an update of the stats. Right now, it is well over 500 people going. We're panicking now that they're going to sell out of boats. And this starts on the 28th of July and runs until the 4th of August. And they're African-Americans from all over the United States. And the British Tourist Board is going to have the host party the night of the 28th to welcome us to the BVI 
for the African-American reunion of black voters. That story just blows me away. No pun intended for all you sailors out there. And I believe that you're starting another online magazine, right? We are hard at work developing a new magazine. The entire magazine is about boating and yachting. It's about black people boating and yachting. And that starts in November. And I have gotten to a point that I've engaged some outsiders to assist with the articles. I met a young lady who is in her early 30s, like 32. And the boaters that I've met that are there now, they have been boating for 30 and 40 years. What is the effort to engage younger people to get into it? So I hired this young lady to start writing an article to start moving backward as it relates to generations. And she is going to write an article called uh, Young, Gifted, and Black Boaters. And I've engaged the United States Coast Guard so we can start doing lessons. And we want to do a youth trip in 2018. There is actually an African-American yacht club here in Annapolis called the Seafarers. There are two seafarer groups. One is Seafarers of Annapolis. The other is the Seafarers of Washington, D.C. They've had that boat club for almost as many years as I am old, which I refuse to discuss. And it goes back to the days of segregation when uh, they were forced, the ones in Washington, where they were forced by Congress to be able to get a place to have their boat club. If you look at the latest issue of blackmeninamerica.com and look under uh, BVI Reunion 2017, you will see the whole list of black clubs. And it's not all inclusive. It's the ones that I've already found out about. There are more. So, Mr. Free Spirit, you talk about people entering the fourth quarter of their lives, or maybe it's the third quarter. Personally, I'd like to think I'm at halftime, but that's probably optimistic. But what do we do in this new chapter of our lives? That all became a part of this Free Spirit idea I explained to my children that uh, you always have a father. He will be somewhere. He will always be there if you need him because there are things like airplanes, etc. But I found that I was rebelling against myself. I had to let go of trying to live for other people and live for me. And that's what I meant by let go of the things you're rebelling against, because I was rebelling against me. Yeah, we can definitely be our own worst enemy, that's for sure. Uh, well, let's move to a little 
different topic, and that is your kids. Uh, You've mentioned them. Tell me a little more about them. They're both college grads. They're both out there doing the things that they find necessary to make themselves whole. They have a father. They know that if you need me, I'll be there. But right now in the fourth quarter of my life, I let go. And I stopped rebelling. And I started living for me. So I had to let go of this structure that I was holding for my children that only visited it when they had to, (laughs) you know, and start living for myself. Even though you're not a big credentials guy per se, tell us what your educational background is. Temple University bachelor's, UConn master's, Wright State University PhD. My PhD was in IT. Everything else was engineering. That's really impressive. And how long did you work in government? Between the Pentagon and Defense Logistics Agency, 29 years, 8 months, and 11 days. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. When I go places on a professional basis, I check my ego at the door. It's not a place for ego. I was invited to go to a huge affair in D.C. last month. I chose not to fly into D.C. to go to the affair because it was going to be an affair full of egos. They didn't need another one because I tried to be low-key. I checked my ego at the door. What I did before I retired, who cares? That's called you are a has-been. You don't do it anymore. So why do I walk around patting me on my back? I'm only inflating my ego. Nobody cares. And, and Mr. Free Spirit, the, as an individual, has learned, check your ego at the door. Because it just takes away from your authenticity. A lot of people talk about the younger generation, how they're doing, and how we're doing raising them. What are your thoughts? When I was going to school, it was almost drilled into my head, education, education, education. Things are moving so fast. Whatever you specialized in in school and whatever you got all of those degrees in, if you try to have a conversation with somebody that's in today's world going through the same thing, you don't have a clue what they're talking about because everything has moved. There was something called Cobalt and Fortram in the, in the computer world. Guess what? Today's kids, talking about Cobalt and Fortram and see what they tell you. They'll look at you with that, that glazed look like, what are you talking about? Learn. Try to learn what's new. There are books. There are online classes. There are multiple ways to continue to learn. You know, if you don't keep up, you get left behind. A lot of young people don't want to say, I don't know, will you help me? They don't want to. That's ego deflating, to say, I don't know. Tell me one story that you remember from your childhood that you think 
helped to shape you as a person? Fifth grade, the teacher was Miss Carter. That's how well I remember. <laughs> And I did something in school I had no business doing. And I remember my teacher, she didn't, well, depends on how you define spanking. But she she did a little something to my rear end. And uh, when I got to the neighborhood because it was so close, a neighbor that lived down the street asked me why was I looking like I was looking and I told her what I did and she did something in my rear end. And then when I got home to my mother, she did something to my rear end. So for the one thing, I got three rear end tappings. Try it today. The kids will dial 911 or their parent will dial 911. Therefore, there's no more control. Who's controlling what? Are the children controlling it or are the parents controlling it? That's all I have to say about that. Anybody with any intelligence can figure that one out. Not only should you never touch a child, you can't even verbally say anything to them now because everybody dials 911. I don't know whether this is, what well, I should say, fortunately or unfortunately, a lot of people do the same thing you do. They sat down and they talked to me and they're like, where is all this, co- how did you find out, where's this wisdom coming from? And for a while I said, okay, you're stroking me, you're trying to get something out of me. And then I realized a lot of my wisdom comes from the life that I have lived. And based on that, at some point in life, as a matter of fact, on my way here, it was a joke. At some point in life, there's a cemetery somewhere where I'll be, and I can't take it with me. Therefore, let me share it with other people. That's a wrap. A great conversation with a guy who offers us all lessons in living a good life. Thank you, Mr. Free Spirit. I would love to hear from you. Send me an email if you have ideas, thoughts, or feedback. I read every message. That's hello at themegrobinsonshow.com. Tune in for more stories that make us who we are. This is Meg Robinson.